We had the honor of sitting down with Nicholas, the creator and founder of Flow. This episode is packed with insane insights any level founder will find valuable for their brand growth journey. If you don't know about Flow, give them a quick search and you'll learn exactly how legit of a brand Nicholas and his wife are building. There's a good chance if you walk into your local Whole Foods, Sprouts, or natural grocery store, you'll find them in a prime spot. Or you've likely seen one of the many A-list celebrity investors posting about it online. In this episode, you're going to learn the key insights on building a successful brand, what it takes to grow a brand quickly at scale, and the important things to focus on at every stage, especially if you're looking to have a successful exit. So head on over to flowhydration.com as we're talking with Nicholas so you can have a clear picture of the insights and vision he's giving. So we're excited to have Nicholas, the CEO and founder of Flow Water with us today. So Nicholas, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. So a lot of our listeners are growing e-commerce brands. They're growing brands in general. They, they're selling in both physical stores as well as online. Um, can you just kind of talk about Flow Water and what you've done, but also just quickly, like what kind of scale are you at so that they understand your insights and how valuable they are? So uh, I created Flow Water five years ago, 2015, on the back of uh, my family owning a very large artesian spring in southern Ontario, Canada. And it releases about a million liters a day of the highest quality still mineral water like Fiji or Avion, but we're, we're higher quality than both those brands. And unbeknownst to me, drinking the water my entire life, I didn't realize uh, how high quality and the water was. I just realized it tasted really good. Um, and it always came out of the ground at nine degrees Celsius. Um, so it's a cold water, deep artesian spring. Um, and then fast forward after um, building and ultimately selling the majority of my 11 companies in the course of 30 years. Um, I got inspired after going to a festival called Burning Man um, to create this, the fir- world's first socially responsible um, premium water company using an environmentally sustainable package. And I chose Tetra Pak as my uh, partner in this journey um, to disband plastic bottles and plastic and replace it with renewable uh, compostable products Um, and all focused around creating a beautiful premium water brand to take on Fiji and Avion um, to disband their plastic bottles, uh, but also deliver my family's artesian spring water in the best possible vessel uh, to the most amount of people. And so that was kind of the genesis that kicked it all off. So actually having developed uh, 10 companies prior to um, Flow, um, I understood the different phases that businesses have to go through. Um, And roughly speaking, uh, the first phase is called proof of concept. Second stage is commercialization. Third stage is growth and scale. Fourth stage is profit and margin. And the fifth stage is the exit. There you go. I feel like we went to business school. We just did. In like did. 30 seconds. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, the, you know, um, after doing my master's in international business in, in London, England, I learned uh, those phases have different management uh, structures around them in order for you to be able to do the things you want. So the wild, wild west, which is all of what we know and love, is in the first two phases of the business, which is proof of concept. Do you have product market fit, Mm. right? Do you have a product that matches a market and do they want to buy it, right? So that's what everyone, you know, blows hundreds of millions of dollars at and sometimes loses, sometimes wins, right? Um, So really identifying that product market fit is the first stage. And with Flow, it was very obvious. We were very calculated with what we were doing. My wife, who is arguably way smarter and better looking than me, (laughs) uh, really identified. She's the creative director, another founder of Flow, and we work as a couple too. I knew it. She knew there was- I was like, there has got to be a woman behind this. Oh yeah, there's a way smarter, 
more brilliant, talented person behind me um, <laughs> as the CEO. And so my wife and I created Flow, and uh, we've been together since high school. Um, and so we know we know the spring very well. We grew up on the spring together. Um, and so what Tammy um, did and knows is we focused our entire product around one consumer from the inception of the product uh, and the brand into what we live and breathe, which is the wellness woman. 75% of our customers are female and they fall into one category. They believe in health, wellness, and fitness, you know, and uh, being the best that they can be by putting better for you products into their body uh, that are better for the environment, right? So it's very simple proposition. No water company on the planet uh, had tried to speak to this uh, consumer before. They were drinking Fiji and Avion and not really loving it. Um, so what we did is we took the hypothesis and put it through consumer insight, but we also, uh, Tammy developed the brand flow and spoke to our consumer the way that she would speak to herself mm. uh, and really advanced our position as being the first wellness water uh, to really capture market share away from Fiji and Avion and other premium water companies in plastic and really hit to them at the home of why would they be consuming our products which is number one what is the product it's high alkaline mineral water with a ph all that stuff and by the way we put it in a renewable resource packaging non-plastic even our cap is made from sugar cane i saw that uh, so i can eat it no. can i just take a bite out of it <laughs> put it in your coffee <laughs> yeah will it dissolve oh. in my coffee <laughs> right <laughs> that's awesome and so together with Joe Jackman, who's our, um, uh, uh, my other board member who used to be the CMO of Gap, the CMO of Dwayne Reed Walgreens, and also the CMO of uh, Canada's largest uh, grocery and drug chain called Loblaws, um, we went through uh, a more formal process to bring this product in with the brand. We got very lucky. We acquired a four-letter word meaning water, but also meaning the flow of life. Uh, which is positive intentions uh, around optimized experiences produce happiness. So it was all supercharged around a very strong brand ethos uh, and product market fit. And that's why we quickly realized that our proof of concept was achieved within four months. We launched, we signed 2000 locations in Canada across our great nation. Uh, from Vancouver all the way through to uh, Nova Scotia and um, in the natural grocery category. And we already, we outselled our competitors on cash for points of distribution. So, and our repeat purchases, which is measured by the KPI called velocity at retail, which is the number of units per week per store. It was off the charts, three times larger than any other brand. That means people love the brand. Yeah. And so the second year, um, we were using co-packers and we had to get other people to package the water and we were putting thumbnail, you know, stickers over. It was just, you know, we just wanted to get the product out. The first one was an MVP, minimum viable product, not just to do not dissimilar to how you develop software. We just put the product out and then we iterated the design every three months and uh, and, and grew the brand together with our consumer insight around our acknowledgement of this consumer really loving it. So the first one was a silver pack. It wasn't even white. Uh, and then this, the second one was white with silver. And then the third one, we started locking into, you know, the brand, the colors and all that. And within the first year, we realized we had a great product market fit. But we also realized we couldn't make money. We're like, oh shit, we're making margins. Sorry, I'm probably not supposed to say No, you're no, good. You're this is awesome. a filter-free zone. <laughs> we were making margins of uh, 20%. Well, you can't make margins at 20%, not unless you're software um, and you have huge scale. But in this business, we're making 20%, which we knew we're not gonna cut it. And at that time, I had a very uh, astute uh, board of directors and advisors. Uh, namely John Cochran, who was the ex-president of Fiji. So he ran Fiji uh, and he was the second investor in Flow uh, and he jumped on the board and he was the first company president. 
So uh, at that time, uh, we sat down with John and said, how do we make money selling water around the world? And he taught us the concept of vertical integration um, and, um, and how to scale. So number one rule is always surround yourself with more intelligent people than what you are in the domain that you're trying to compete in, right? So domain expertise is super important in scale because every single industry has different buttons you can pull and push and you need to know what they are. So John taught us how to scale and commercialize the business. So we went and priced the product across different channels. Then we also vertically integrated my family spring into, um, into uh, the company uh, as well as we built our first facility and we vertically integrated, we started buying Tetra Pak machines and understood how to commercialize the business. Pricing, promotion, place, what's the fourth one? Can't remember. Production. <laughs> <laughs> the four P's. Um, and so, that's not even a big uh, people? I, well, we got three P's, but you know, three out of four is not bad. No, it's uh, not bad. So we did, we did that and then we, from the commercialization phase, we were able to grow and scale because we built the asset infrastructure and then we started scaling in with operational uh, rollouts in the US, figuring out how to build logistics paths and all the core business to be able to produce the growth and scale. But more importantly, we turned on the diesel. So we understood where the customer was coming in from. Ecom was a very important aspect to ours. Uh, because of my tech background, having built and sold several, maybe seven tech companies um, that made apps and video games and ringtones, I understood the importance of direct-to-consumer channel communication, but also delivery through e-com. So we partnered with Shopify and Amazon, and we built out our first e-com platform in Canada with Shopify, and our second e-com platform with Shopify and Amazon delivering it in the U.S. Uh, and that's when we realized that uh, we could grow and scale the business if we just started putting our marketing dollars in the right area. Um, so e-com and direct-to-consumer communication became very important. Uh, and we started layering on influencers and celebrity dust with Gwyneth Paltrow and Sean Mandez to really start building out our consumer um, platforms. Uh, but also to influence all of our core omni-channel strategy. That's when we achieved growth and scale. And, and for us, that was compound growth 10% month over month. Mm -hmm. So we've been growing 300% year over year for three years straight. And so um, last year we did 30 million packs of production. This year we'll do 70 million packs of production. Wow. Next year we'll do 150 million packs of production. Um, and what started with one machine is now growing to six Tetra machines. What started with one spring is now growing to two springs, one in Canada and one in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley of the Blue Ridge Mountains, where we acquired that to build and scale the business. And then so now um, my team is totally focused on now that we know we can scale, now we know we have 20 million customers purchasing flow every quarter, which represents 10% of the premium water category. Now it's about can we make our shareholders money, yeah. uh, profit and margin. And so this year we went from 29, uh, sorry, a blended 36% margin audited last year to this year we'll hit 41. And then next year we're going to hit 45. And that's in between 41 and 45 is where consumer packaged goods in food and beverage want to be, right? That's the, that's the sweet spot. And then eventually after we scale well above 200 million packs, We'll achieve uh, economies of scale based on logistics optimization that we can't get today to hit over 50%. Um, and then the last thing is you prep the company for ultimately being able to take it public or um, or, or or move to an exit through an M&A transaction. That's what strategically we're looking at next year. That's amazing. Man, you guys have done a lot in a short amount of time. It's insane. That's incredible. How how do you balance that with life? Like how, like what does your life look like right now? Personally, pre COVID or post COVID <laughs> interest. That's good. Let's go with both pre what did it look like? And then now post. Yeah. So hindsight 2020, right? Yeah. Um, 
But for the last five years, an entrepreneur, uh, they really give up a lot. Um, we give up a lot. We give up our lives for our businesses. There are children. And uh, thank God I have an understanding wife and partner who's along the journey with me or it would have been impossible for us to have any work-life balance. Um, but we you know, kind of delicately weave them in, in with each other. And she understands I have to travel. Before COVID, I was traveling two to three days a week wow. uh, in the US, going to category reviews. We had offices in Los Angeles. We had an office in New York. We have our plant in Virginia. We have offices in, in Vancouver. Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto. So I was out there uh, doing category reviews and talking to our buyers and managing the business, uh, talking to investors and investment banks two to three days a week um, since the inception of Flow. So very difficult, but have an understanding partner that uh, allows me to be able to travel for those and really balance it out. Um, but post COVID, we've reduced the travel to zero. Um, so I had the best summer in my entire life personally and my family. We've been able to spend more time with each other, uh, enjoying the, the beautiful country we have in Canada. Um, hopefully it's not, it, hopefully it'll last as long as it can. But at the same time, I think we just all realize that you can get exactly what you want done without jumping on a plane and talking to people in person. Um, and I think that's a huge global awareness that hopefully from my, you know, the roots of sustainability, we've now seen a different path. We don't need to like blow a bunch of money on environmentally wasteful things in order to accomplish a better, a better world. And I, hopefully that's the thing that sticks. Yeah. You should be more profitable too. <laughs> yeah. Profitable. Oh, yeah. We've trimmed off hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars in travel. I mean, I, I love the travel industry, but uh, maybe, maybe we're running a little too fast for a while. So um, you talked a lot about the spring water and your skin looks amazing. I was going to say, so glowing, we're like sitting here, like you have like no wrinkles. Do you feel <laughs> like you grew, you grew up with this? Did that play a factor this, in this it? Is all, this is also the reason I'm holding up for everyone that's listening. Our beautiful collagen infused spring water, which we launched this year, but I've been a collagen consumer. Now my wife got me onto it with my coffee creamers um and i've been a collagen consumer we loved it so much because you're getting 10 grams of bovine grass-fed collagen which is peptide proteins yeah. right um and so we loved it so much we're like we got to be able to infuse that into flow like that would be the ultimate wellness water yeah if we we're able to do you know uh, a protein peptide collagen which is clinically proven for improved skin hair and nails if we were able to do that, our consumer would love it. So we asked our consumer and they, uh, the number one thing they wanted us to infuse was uh, collagen. Number two were immune boosting vitamins mm. uh, and, and, and like echinacea and all that stuff. Cause they're very, cons you know, they're, they want functionality with that. Anyway, long story short, I've been drinking flows collagen water now <laughs> for six months. That's why my hair, my hair, skin and nails look better. Nice. That's secret. <laughs> so um, you made an interesting point. So how, as a growing company, how important is it to innovate and create new products, but also balance your key products? Yeah. Uh, a gentleman who ran a very successful um, furniture, uh, furniture design and supply place, like uh it's called Uma. Uh, it's like Ikea, but really nice stuff. He, he gave me the best piece of advice ever. He said, don't over skew life. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> don't over skew things, man. Um, so it's a, it's a delicate balance between innovation, ADHD, and um, sticking to the core principles of why you're around. Like look at, look at uh, Sam Pellegrino, one of my favorite sparkling waters. Uh, it's over 200 years old. Look at Perrier, it's over 200 years. Look at Avion, it's, it's over 300 years old. Um, and they only have one or two SKUs. Like yeah. they don't have very many SKUs. So I think innovation has never been more important uh, to really follow your consumer through their journey. So let's just talk about our wellness consumer. They have functional need states that they're going for every time they consume products. So they wake up, they crush a one liter of flow, 
uh, to start their day. They're looking for alkalinity. They're looking for hydration at the core uh, to really kickstart off their day. And then throughout the day when they're maybe consuming, you know, food, uh, food service products, salads, uh, lunch, dinner, uh, we enhance their hydration by adding flavors that accompany a detox diet. Uh, so mm. cucumber, mint, lemon, ginger, strawberry, rose, just amazing, sophisticated palate, organic certified USDA flavors, uh, allowing them to consume more hydration, but having the added ba balance of flavors together with paired with their food. And then obviously once a day, you know, before they go to bed or when they wake up, they're consuming now our collagen infused product because they're looking for their daily collagen dose in a bioavailability available way that allows them to go in on a grab and go and drink it once a day. So we'll continue to innovate. Uh, and I think it's essential for companies to innovate at the core. Our core is alkaline mineral water and, 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 and spring mineral water. It'll always be our core. Our mission at flow is to empower the world's wellness through the power of water hmm. to inspire, sorry, to inspire the world's wellness through the power of water. And so we'll always do that and make sure that the innovation fits a need state to our consumer. So we won't be doing stuff that's out of the need state of our consumer. And as she evolves or he evolves, uh, we'll customize infused products uh, to ingredients that they want within those need states every day. But so the importance of innovation, it's important, but don't over skew things, not launching more skews and more complications. It really takes away from growth. Eventually you just become, you know, like holding 50 skews, your team's exhausted. And then like, wait a minute, th that skew only produced like 1% of the revenue. What are we doing? Yeah. Right? So simplify the skews, make sure your customers want to buy it and do the 80, 20 rule, 20% of your skews, 80% of the revenue focus yes. on that. Oh man, music to our ears. So while we're talking about flavors, Nicole and I actually have four of your, well, the original, and then we have cucumber, strawberry, and watermelon right in front of nice. us. And we're going to do a taste test. We're going nice. to tell you how accurate We've they are. We've never tried flow. You've never, never tried flow? We're, no. Flow virgins. We are. <laughs> your mind blowing. We are. On the planet. Hey, by the way, just not to skew your... Uh, to skew your things, but one of those flavors that you're about to try, I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah, won the best flavored water on the planet last year. What? We all beat every single flavored water on the planet and won number one. Okay, Final. we're, we're going to guess. I feel which like one. my gut tells don't, me. I don't want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got to guess at the same time. This is going to make it fun. I got to give you a heads up. Nicole has zero filter. <laughs> So if she doesn't like it, she's going to tell you she doesn't like it or if it's not you close. Pick, you pick three of our, our most popular flavors. Well, I, do, I was at Whole Foods actually randomly and I saw them there and I was like, oh, perfect. I'm going to grab these ones. Okay. We're and as starting. a palate cleanser, we have tap water. We do. Just <laughs> Don't get me going on tap water. <laughs> okay, okay, let's taste it. We got the original. This is the first. Unflavored. The OG. Oh, yeah. That is smooth. That's good. It makes me want to just put it in a shot glass and just. <laughs> These Once are... you start drinking flow, I can guarantee you'll realize that the silky smooth taste becomes very addictive to the palate. It also, all that silky smooth taste are essential minerals, calcium, magnesium, potassium, and zinc. And the mouthfeel um, is, the, is the calcium and the magnesium bicarbonates. And the number one reason why people buy premium water is the taste. And the taste of the bicarbonates is the alkalinity in the taste as well. So that's why people buy premium water versus tap water uh, because of the taste and the minerals inside. Mm, that's yeah. interesting. I've always drank like mineral water, but sparkling. And recently I've been on this like mineral train for still water. And it's like, I can't go back. No. No, nope. <laughs> I'm addicted. I'm, I'm, yeah. And I'll tell you, once you start drinking flow specifically, um, like our 20 million customers, you'll realize that it is the best tasting water on the planet. That is really good. Okay. okay. Cucumber mint. Yeah. Oh, that's like the perfect balance. How long did that take you? Because so this that's is my incredible. pride and joy in life outside of my beautiful four year old daughter, Romy, 
who uh, is the ultimate of the ultimate creations. Uh, but cucumber mint, um, I personally developed the flavor, uh, the flavor ranges and came up with the detox spa concepps um, and 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 I and I initiated it with I've been in hundreds of hotels and the one thing I love when I get into a hotel is they'll put cucumbers and mints in those big jugs at the beginning and you're like oh my god I just entered into this amazing spot it's so refreshing so my design thing was I need to capture uh, essentially being able to infuse flow with organic material like cucumber and mint but have it so balanced between the two with no sugar no sweetener or no nothing outside of the essential oils of the product so we did cold infusion and so the alkaline water and the mineral water never gets processed and we put the essential oils drop 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 in with a binder that's a complete organic based material i don't want to mention it because it's competitive but it's organic it's a plant, right? Yeah. Uh, and we bind it with cold infusion. So when uh, when it hits the cold water, it binds the flavor and we put it right into the container. So I did that with cucumber mint first. And then my wife came up with lemon ginger because she was like, lemon, ginger, oh, love it, right? And she created strawberry rose too, mm. right? And, uh, and then um, some of our board members started advancing with myself. But we, my wife and I created the first two flavors that we launched, which are arguably the best flavors. But then strawberry rose came by and it's like our top selling too. Incredible. Just but that's how, that's how it came. <laughs> that's awesome. You just gave us a hint on the one that won the award. There's two things I love about this. One, you created this because it was your preference. Like you personally enjoyed it which is just awesome and then two i love what you said earlier about approaching your flavor profiles approaching your products based on your audience like the the people that you're targeting and you're thinking about the detox you're thinking about their lifestyle as you're creating these this we one, were just talking about this that this morning actually is like what sets brands apart that actually be get on a good momentum and become successful is that they stick true to like what they like which is unique and they're not trying to please like such a broad audience but there is a broad audience within their preferences and it kind of makes you stand out and stay true to yourself yeah I, I think that that equals you know focus on the core core consumer core product offerings deliver the best possible product for them and if you love it uh you you should love it or you shouldn't develop it right yeah so we love everything we put out we have an ethos and uh, we de definitely focus in on the core on that one. What's the next one? Okay, okay. strawberry rose. It smells good too. So a little story about strawberry rose. Uh, strawberry rose was an amazing flavor tone and um, we pitched Whole Foods all of the different flavors. And uh, George, who we know and love, um, and if he's listening, thank you. Uh, <laughs> George basically came back to us and he said, you know what? Um, Strawberry Rose is just not cutting it for me. She said, she said, you know, I think you guys can do way better than this. Like, oh, okay, all right. Back to the R&D lab. Anyways, George came back uh, and he um, helped us create Strawberry Rose uh, to where it is today. So he brought the strawberry forward, made it super real uh, and balanced out. And um, it's, it's, it's definitely one of our favorites and uh, Whole Foods is definitely a great champion for that brand. It kind of has a sweetness. <clears throat> to it does. It. I feel like I'd want to freeze this into a popsicle and eat it for dessert. Like that's what I feel like I want to do with this. I mean, I'm thinking you say bring it with some Tito and put some. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? So the cucumber. Have you been to Sparkling Hill Resort? No. You need to go. In British Columbia. It's in British Columbia. I feel like this is a walk through Sparkling Hill. It is. You have your cucumber mint infused water that you drink while you're there. You wear a robe the entire time. Yeah. And they oh, have like all these oh, saunas. Oh. that are included when you stay there and you kind of go through these i think there's like seven or eight saunas and they're infused one of them is a rose infused sauna come on what's it called spring what? Sparkling. sparkling hill i could actually see them having f like the cucumber mint flavor in they have this room called the silent room that you go into with water you just sit in there in silence wow they I'm, have I'm, cucumber I'm, mint water in there but i could see them next weekend you are <laughs> There you go. Yeah, amazing. Okay, thank you for that recommendation. You got to go. But this is great. I love this. I like how the aftertaste, like you you drink it and then you feel it. You can taste it afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, now we've got watermelon and lime. It's great. <laughs> it's good. These are great. We balanced that one out too, right? I mean, yeah. it, it could have been overpowering and definitely too sweet. That one was a difficult one. Um, it took a long time for us to dial that one in. Yeah. All right, so which one won the award? On the count of three, we're going to say it together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One, two, three. Strawberry Cucumber rose. mint. <laughs> Well, that means they're both great. I know. Uh, it was cucumber mint. Boom. There you go. <laughs> uh, I love strawberry rose, though. And so this year, um, we put up strawberry rose. Um, and this other one, which is great, uh, blackberry hibiscus, both oh. of them to win the award this year. Nice. Um, so you may we both be right. Yes. So I had a question. I know initially you said you launched in Canada first through stores and it did like fabulous. How did you build up to it having such high demand and doing so well on shelves there? This is a very good question for the audience uh, because I'll leave the name out, but a very experienced retailer uh, that ran multiple chains in fashion, grocery and drug. um, I had the pleasure of uh, having uh, a meal with him one day and he told, and this was right at the start. I said, look, if there's one thing that you can tell me about how to make flow successful at retail, what would it be? And he said, that's easy. Artificial demand creates demand. Well, what the hell was that? <laughs> and he said, if you influence the retail location to be able to get more points of distribution, you will be have more points of distribution which will influence the sales. So what you have to do is go into the retail location and influence the sales by meeting the manager and asking him to get more points of distribution. Can I put a rack of flow over there? Can I get more things on the shelf? And, and equally important, can I come in and demo? Can I sample products? Uh, can I give some coupons out to the users? Hey, by the way, store manager, here's a free flow. Here's a free flow. Here's two free flows. And so in order for us and how we were so successful so fast in Canada is we went into every location. I hired 20 salespeople and we went in and forged direct relationships with everyone. We went on sale, which is called TPR, temporary price reduction. But we also influenced how many, when we're on sale, we'd come in and demo, and then we would merchandise the whole store and put case stacks of flow everywhere. And then ultimately, (laughs) guess what happened? We sold more flows and they gave us more space because we sold more flows. And we just kept on investing in that. uh, And we did up until January, February this year, and then COVID changed our strategy. And we started plowing money into digital. Uh, digital sampling, digital thing, and a, uh, retail programs. But it was a different story. But for the first three years, we built our whole brand on the fact that we we're um, building demand based on us and our ability to influence each store through sampling, extra merchandising, uh, and direct store uh, relationships with the managers. That's interesting. Because I yeah. feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, that's too low level. That's not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. It's all a hustle, you know, and like people want to connect. They want to talk to you. They want you to get in there and get in their face and influence them and inspire. So my my favorite trade show in the world is called Sprouts Fest. And it's one of our retailers sprouts in the US. Uh, I don't know if you guys have them in Tennessee. I think you do. We do. Yeah. Sprouts has a Sprouts Fest every year. It's called Sprouts Con. And uh, they invite all their buyers and throw them all into a room. Then they fly in all of their store managers. Like I'm talking 300 store managers and, and grocery heads and everyone that's at every store. And then they do a bunch of stuff that we're not invited to. But then they have us and we we get to talk to all the store managers. One, one, one year I talked to 170 people directly about flow and we sampled out, we gave them pins and there's no better way to build a lasting business with strong customer communication mm. and, and relationships. 
Like I love those guys. They do amazing things. And the opportunity to speak to all of those people at one time, that's why it's my favorite story. How's Flow doing? Do you love it? How can we be a better partner? Have you tried our new flavors? Like the whole thing. Uh, in fact, I took 170 photos with every store manager. I put it into a collage online and sent it out to the buyer and said, please send it out to the team with a free flow. I mean, That's I love, awesome. love we got. So I think there could be no better use of an executive's time than to get into the store and merchandise it yourself and go try to sell your own products. You know, this isn't this isn't a cushy desk job. This is a customer experience that you're selling um, and a product that you're selling to consumers. You need to talk to people. I mean, that's great in person and everything. And you said you're kind of moving to more of the digital space. How does that translate to online? It, it all comes down to trust. Relationships are all about trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to give you guys marriage counseling yet. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's all about trust, right? And what we do in order to build a relationship is we have our consumers uh, do the referrals for us. And we are very blessed with some amazing shareholders. We have over 20 shareholders that would be considered celebrities uh, from Sean Mandaz to Coldplay, the rock band to um, Post Malone, um, Hannah Brothman, who's a wellness, uh, a wellness queen in her own. Um, and I'm missing tons of people. Um, we have pro athletes, we have entrepreneurs, one of the founders of Uber. Uh, all the way through to musicians and actors and actresses. So we're very fortunate. So we um, support them in helping us uh, get our message across in a very organic way uh, that's not a paid paid for play. Like I don't think we pay a lot of our influencers. I think they're just influencing uh, the purchase because they drink flow and they're avid customers. So like you guys, uh, which will have a water subscription after this. Um, and, so, and so we'll be sending you flow and we uh, and and we won't ask anything about what you do with it or what you, but I can guarantee you after you start drinking this, you'll be drinking and you'll be talking about it. And, and that's how, that's how great things happen. One customer at a time through amazing referrals because the product can hold itself on taste and our sustainability practices. So that's how we that's how we promote it on digital. And it's working very well for us. How do you guys you mentioned a taste, like some sort of taste campaign? How do you how do you do that online? Are you what does it look like from a marketing perspective? So taste is one of the most competitive words that a brand can use. Uh, that's Coca-Cola Pepsi territory. You gotta have a lot of money to win on taste. But the way that we refer it to is customer testimonies. So mm. people believe what they believe. Us saying we have the best tasting water in the world is not good enough. But our customers saying that this is the best tasting water in the world is exactly what we do. So we call it customer love. Yeah. Um, and we have a whole meter that tracks all the sediments and comments that happen on the brand online. Uh, through multiple different portals and we track it back to our customer service department that tracks it on a customer love basis. And I'm happy to report that we tie it into net promoter score and we have the highest net promoter score of any premium water brand on the planet. I think it's 7.8. It's like Apple status. Um, And so that's how we do it. We treat it very uh, organic, but we let our customers uh, do the, the recommendations and then we amplify them uh, very rarely, but we amplify them saying, oh my God, this post was amazing. Um, and that's how we went on taste and that's how we went on quality. What key employees do you recommend hiring first? You got a product, you're ready to get it out there. Yeah. First thing you do is you got to hire a board of directors or advisors and investors that know what the hell they're talking about. So in lieu of cash, when you're first starting out a business, uh, get them to put money in the company. Mm-hmm. If they believe in it, trust me, they'll work for you uh, and they'll work for free. Um, and so I was very fortunate to raise the first $4 million with strategic capital, like outside of myself um, and uh, and my business partners. Uh, we just got the best people like John Cochran, ex-president of Fiji, Natasha Kaufman, the ex-publicist of Fiji. Um, Joe Jackman, who I mentioned, who's another board member, one of the CMO of Gap and Dwayne Reed. Uh, and just surround yourself with people that won't allow you to make mistakes. Because all we want to do as entrepreneurs is make mistakes. 
Yeah. We'll try. Here, here's what we'll do. We'll just try everything until something fucking works. But the problem is, is that most of the times you fail um, and with repetition, you get a little better. But in lieu of that domain expertise at a category level. So if you're doing software, get your software guy. If you're doing uh, water, get your water guy, right? Or girl, uh, woman. And um, I think that's super important um, to make no mistakes by getting people that have skin in the game, not free options or anything like that, because you can't trust that. Get them to invest in your company and start talking to them regularly um, and understand how to build the, the backbones of it. Then. The second, the second group of people that you really need to lock into is, uh, you gotta sell, you gotta sell some, you gotta sell, 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 sell. And so, uh, salespeople are very, very hard to find if they're very, very good. Um, and so I spend an extraordinary amount of time finding the best salespeople. Um, first one was Michael lines, who was our VP of sales. Now he runs a very successful company called simply protein. Um, but he built the company with me for the first three years. Then I hired the director of Avion, uh, their sales in the US, and his name's Dan Ashby. He built the company with us. Uh, uh, and John Cochran as the company president, who's the president, ex president of Fiji. So then we started to layer on all these very successful salespeople. Then once the sales come in, then the whole organi organization from operations can follow suit. You know, kind of volume and money say, so, solves everything, right? Without that, you're kind of prematurely scaling the bottom. Then the second thing, and I'm blessed uh, to have my wife be the creative director and uh, head of the marketing, the brand of the product. Um, so she really built the brand. And like, that's nothing short of, uh, how do you say it? It's so pure and creative that um, you either have it or you don't, right? This is a true talent, not a skill. It's a true talent to build brands like flow. It's a, it's a talent. So finding that talent is very difficult and I was blessed to marry it. The one thing is the brand, having someone in charge of the brand, having someone in charge of the sales, uh, and then having the oversight of people that have done it before are really the key instrumental things. Now we have an awesome CMO that works with my wife, Tammy, Chrissy Milan, uh, who used to be the CMO of uh, Rebecca Minkoff, a fa fashion brand, and she and her just crush it together. So we've got that. Plus now I've hired uh, twin Tim Dwyer, who's the CRO, uh, SVP of sales and everything. He used to, he built Vita Coco, the, the leading world's number one coconut water uh, from uh, 4 million in sales to 400 million. Then he jumped on flow. Nice. He sees it. <laughs> Drop the mic for Tim. Drop the mic for Tim. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the, the pillars. Cool. So as you're scaling, did you hit any plateaus along the way? And if you did, how did you overcome them? Yeah. So uh, we definitely hit a plateau with with co-packing we we were using other people's uh factories and and they were killing our margins uh we hit a plateau we had to decide like what are we doing uh it was a huge decision and i'll put it into numbers um we had to invest over 65 million dollars in that scale so we've invested 100 million dollars in flow and 65 of it are sitting as assets of the company um, and we had to make that choice whether we were going to use someone else's facilities and make low margin or build our own um, and make high margin. And we had to make that. So we plateaued with co-packing. Uh, in fact, it all, they almost drove us bankrupt a couple of times because wow. we just couldn't get over it. There was not enough money at the end of the day. We were burning through our, our shareholders' capital and no line of sight for it to change because they were budging on their fees. And we saw that uh, all the margin were in their fees. So we had to make a call. John Cochran helped me make the call. We listed the company on the Toronto Stock Exchange private markets as a pre-IPO strategy uh, three and a half, four years ago. Um, we're about to cross over our fourth audited financial uh, financials, which means we can take the company public at any time. But then we started having to inject tens of millions of dollars into the company's asset base. So that was the first hump. We would never have made it without that. Mm. The company would have never made it past that point. It was a big decision because we had to go back out into the market. And that's not small numbers for any any business, right? Where you're, you're having to go, we could run it, 
as a small business, but then in order for us to really scale, we have to we have to start injecting tens of millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And it's proved to be very successful. So I think at a point in time where you get capped on margin uh, and you can't scale the business, it's a, you have to decide how, how, how to invest in the business. Yeah. To get, get that extra margin at all costs. That's interesting. So um, a lot of the brands that we work with, they'll scale to a couple million a month in sales without any investment. They just bootstrap their way to that. But then they want to continue to grow. They want to be able to grow to a massive scale like you are. What would you look for for your first investor? What kind of advice would you give somebody if they're at that stage where they're looking for that? Yeah, you're probably going to talk to 100 people. They're going to say exactly the opposite thing that I would say. (laughs) This is good. So this is good. This is good. I'll give a fresh perspective on 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 life for for our entrepreneurial listeners. I, after building and selling uh, a, ten companies, this company I decide not to take any institutional capital. Hmm. So there's no venture capital or private equity firms that own uh, any any. There wasn't up until uh, let me just rephrase that. There wasn't a single institutional investor up until April this year. And so we took the first well, $90 million without any institutional capital. And my advice is if you believe it's a billion dollar idea, finance it like a billion dollar idea and make sure that you can get the partners on that can help you grow without limiting the growth of the company. Those usually come from strategic partners. And so I have lots of strategic partners involved uh, in flow. Um, and then it comes from high net worth individual entrepreneurs. They know they know what we're trying to do. Uh, they know what we're trying to do, and they have absolutely no. Uh, they don't want management control. They don't want to you know force sales. And so I've had a lot of luck and success with just partnering with like minded people uh, that believe in me, believe in the company, um, and that amounts to probably. Uh, 50, 60% of the capital inflow. And then because we did an alternative route, which is not available to everybody, but we were able to uh, list the company and attract retail institutional brokers and accredited investors from all of our major Canadian banks. Um, And so that was a very uh, unique move for uh, somebody. It's a pre-IPO uh, look at what it is flows run like a public company. We could take it public anytime. Um, so I decided to take that route. And what that means is that's dissipated ownership. They're uh, stock brokers and they're uh, accredited investors money, their clients money that get invested into flow. And they're, they're after one thing, growth in stock price mm. uh, and liquidity, right? So we're able to balance that out. So we have uh, 600 shareholders. A um, hundred of it fall within the strategic uh, side, and then another, um, at least another hundred of them fall within high net worth uh, entrepreneurs, and then the rest of them fall within the accredited investors. So that's how we managed to dodge the bullet of uh, institutional capital. But I'd I'd say to any entrepreneur, you know, if they're great partners, um, they can be institutions as well as long as they let you do what you need to do and coach you through the hard times, um, they'd be great partners. But I decided not to do institutional capital. And I, I went to more high net worth, ultra high net worth uh, and strategic capital to finance the first uh, the first little bit of the company that was necessary for that capital and growth. Is it yeah. hard to convince them? I don't, I don't know what's that common, that momentum is more important right now than profitability because I know we have a couple brands we work with that do have investors and they kind of like strong arm them and they're so focused on profitability and like lowering marketing, you know, ad dollars and everything that I feel like it prevents them from growing and having momentum. It does. There's the, you, you either are investing in growth or you're investing to take growth out through EBITDA. That's only the, the only two ways of looking at it. Uh, the mat, match is when you get both happening at the same time and you're able to manage the growth, but like make no mistake for sure. If you need to grow the business, you're not going to be an EBITDA positive unless you, your growth uh, is smaller than um, the growth potential that you have. And so we're still in high growth mode, so we're not profitable. 
EBITDA is in the back of our minds uh, for sure. And we're coming to make sure that the core metrics at any time we could put it into EBITDA. So, hey, we, hey, you know what? Take the foot off the gas. Let's coast into profit. We can do that. We can do that tomorrow. So I think what's important for investors and entrepreneurs to know is that um, until you get a significant amount of market share, there's no point in making money unless your investors are looking for dividends and then they should probably look at buying bank stocks yeah. <laughs> uh, versus 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 startups. So I think it's a delicate balance, but I think number one, core metrics have to be in place to make profit or what are you doing? Um, so that's like contribution margin, cost of goods sold, bottom line profit margins. You know what I mean? All the core things, how much you're spending in salary, but then the dials of growth, you need to invest in the curve. And so the way I look at 2021 for flow, I just got off our Q3 shareholders call like this morning, where I was presenting the business plan is that we're going to put the pedal to the metal in the first half of the year. And we're going to take it off for the second half. And we're going to get EBITDA to come in after we've captured market share. Mm. Um, and that that's a good way of looking at it um, because our customer acquisition months are really when we get all these summer months ramped up. So we're going to let that come in, get the revenue the highest during the summer and take the foot off the gas a little bit to let profit come in to show everybody that we can make profit. But we may very well be right back out there putting the foot on the gas to acquire 10 more million users to compete against Fiji and Avion and other premium water companies. Well, you have it. Don't lose it. So to close it off, if you could get one piece of advice tattooed, what would it be? Well, that's an interesting thing of tattooing anything on my body is you know, mm-hmm. permanent. Yes. You better believe in that. Oh, follow your heart. Mm. Yeah, passion changes everything. Yeah. So my statement on tattooed would be passion changes everything. Oh, that's Final good. Answer. I'm going to end up with a lot of tattoos because I'm going to get that tattooed. <laughs> I'm going to get don't skew. What was that one? Don't over skew it. Don't over skew it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. Oh man, this was thank a great you. conversation. I feel like we learned so much. I know a lot of people are going to learn. I, it's not common. You talk to somebody that you want to keep asking. I have so many questions I want to keep asking you. So one day we have to connect again because we will. We I want will. to pick your brain on leadership. And I feel like you've got a lot to say there. So one day, it would be amazing to have an entire conversation about leadership with you. So Nicholas, thank you so much. I'm going to go buy a subscription now. Yes. We're going to be customers. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send one over to your house. Okay. Oh, thank you. Enjoy the the flow. Yes, we will. All right. right, Thank you. Thank you so much for the call. Likewise. Thank you. Have a good one. (laughs) 